Hey, what's up, guys? This is Grant Schwartz with the Conscious Athletics Podcast here for another episode. If you guys are looking for more information on what we're doing here, please take a second to visit us at ConsciousAthletics.net and or Conscious Athletics on Instagram. This episode is brought to you by Be Cool, Be Smart, Be Alive, teaching our youth their rights and how to de-escalate. For more information, please visit BeCooler.org. of Conscious Athletics. Very excited about today's episode. Um, I got my my doppelganger here, um, Dane, yeah. Sanzen, Dane Sanzenbacher. Um, if you don't know who Dane is, then you're probably not a Ohio State fan, but Dane, uh, <laughs> Dane grew up in uh, Toledo, Ohio, went to Toledo Central Catholic, was a multiple sports star while he was there. Um, phenomenal track guy and then obviously a great football player. Um, Dane and I both played receiver together at Ohio State. Um, it's funny, I like to say I'm his doppelganger because we, we did get confused for each other a lot of times, um, mainly people confusing me for him. Um, and the best part, <laughs> well, the best part about it is if Dan got bad in any, any bad pub, it was probably from me because I would be like, no, I'm not fucking Dane, okay? Um, <laughs> and, uh, but we had obviously had a great time together there. Um, at that point, uh, Dane went on to, uh, to play in the NFL. Um, I don't, you, you were undrafted, weren't you? Yeah. Dan was undrafted, but he did sign with the Bears um, and then spent some time with the Bears, the Bengals. Um, and then was that is that the, the list or was there another That's team it. in there? A few years each. Yep. The Bears and the Bengals. So, yeah. So without further ado, Dan Sanzenbacher, how are we doing, man? Good, man. Yeah. The one time that came up most often was your Michigan tunnel incident. And <laughs> people still ask me if that was me. <laughs> no, 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 man. Hey, that, that's my claim to fame. So you're gonna need to back off of that. Thing, okay? I don't ever take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know people are like, "Oh, that's so cool." I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm known for." So I, that wasn't my main goal when I went to known for, for, for bumping that's into somebody. But yeah. it's it's pretty funny because that every year they do the highlight tapes of, of the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, and you'll see Eddie George and Woody Hayes and Troy Smith and whoever else and then it's and then it's me and then oh, they still play that? <laughs> oh yeah i'm in there dude i'm in there for life like i'm, yeah. I'm good <laughs> I'm and, um, who gave the crowd a finger marcus marcus, marcus hall i i'm envious of his i think his is a little his cooler really he, got, he got a t-shirt made out of it and the whole nine but really yeah yeah so so yeah so dane what's been going on man i know uh i know it's been a little bit since we talked but uh mm. how's everything going dude it's good. I know I'm back in Columbus now. I think we've we've talked since then. That's been since 2019. But yep. yeah, just settling into the new the new career um, in banking and lending. Um, right. Got a new fun baby. time to fun time to be doing lending right now. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not too bad. But yeah, it's been an interesting few years. But new baby. Yeah. What's that? A new baby as well. Yeah, four month old. So transitioning there into growing up. Growing up. I'm really happy. I'm really happy to hear that stuff. I got I got a new baby as well, like we were talking about. So we are definitely adulting for sure. Yeah, figuring um, it out. But yeah, I want to give some people some context on on who you are and how you've gotten to where you are today. So um, as I mentioned, Dan grew up in Toledo, Ohio. I went to Toledo Central Catholic. 
tell us a little bit about your experience there and, and when was it that football you decided was going to be your sport? I, I know you ran track as well and we're pretty successful at that. So there's probably a little bit of conversation of maybe trying to do that as well, but yeah. give us a little back on that. It, there was, so I did them both in high school, but you know how high school did you kind of just play it all until you figure out which one you're best at. Right. Um, I did not have big aspirations in football that I, I didn't, you know, I grew up in Toledo. It wasn't like a huge breeding ground for, you know, big 10 athletes or kids going to big schools. Um, so that was never really, that wasn't really in the picture for me. You were just kind of playing. I mean, at that point, sports is like social currency in high school. I mean, you just kind of do it, do your best, and then you're known for it. And then, I mean, you're a kid, so you're going to keep doing it. So it just so happened we had a really good year my junior year. Um, we won state, and then you get the recruiting uh, calls. Um, ended up I, – I mean, I had – Caught so many lucky breaks in the process to even end up at Ohio State. Um, Ted Ginn's dad was doing a bus tour back in the day. I don't know if you remember this, but I do. Yep. Basically, a handful of Cleveland kids through some connection, they came and picked me up in Toledo, and we toured the Midwest and stopped at colleges and did like showcase camps. Um, and through that, ended up with an Ohio State scholarship, which I, you know, I don't think was in the cards just by recruiting, but I think mm -hmm. when you got the blessing of coach again it went a long way with coach Tressel at the time so yeah and, and track was a thing but it was never going to be I whether it be track or going to Ohio State there was just not enough of a reason to ever say no to that I got recruited by other schools but once you had the Ohio State offer on the table couldn't pass it up and it's not like I was gonna have the foresight or anything to think any further into it than that so <laughs> yeah I ended up you know 2007 started at Ohio State and then you kind of start over again I had no expectations of I didn't know what to expect man that was way right. I don't know if everybody feels like that probably 90% I got freshmen I would say feel like this is this is above my pay grade like this <laughs> is because it's so different when you're there it's so big yeah. Um, so yeah and that was kind of the recruiting process of, of getting to Ohio State Caught a bunch of good breaks, and then I don't know. Once you're there, you just kind of try to work your way in wherever you can. Yep. No, I, I remember. I remember when you showed up on on, on campus. You and you and T. Wash, Torian Washington, were in the same class. Um, mm -hmm. I believe I. So you were you were oh seven, right? Yeah, because you yeah. were the, you were the class after me, and I had I started off as a safety, but I, I actually switched to receiver that same year. So we kind of became de facto in the same class. Um, yeah. As far as that went, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Dan, we, nobody really knew or, or thought about you coming in. You know, you hear about the, the DeVere Posies and, and the, and, and the, the like when you're, when you're, you know, on the team and the, the recruits that are coming in and here comes, here comes Dane. Um, and from day one, the dude just started cooking people, man. And I think you made a name for yourself pretty quick. You did, you did mention you caught some, you caught some breaks, but I mean, you were, you were Johnny on the spot from the beginning there. Yeah, you know, it's always a mix of both. I mean, they're not giving away scholarships, so you have to have, you got to start with a, some kind of base there. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't blame, I think I was not a five, I think it was a three-star recruit as far as stars matter. I mean, it was not a typical Ohio State recruit, but right. this was also a, a little bit of a different time. This was like Ohio State, and I think big schools took shots on guys 
more often than they probably do now. Yeah, I, um, agree with I think that. recruiting too was more regionalized. Like we had, we had a fair amount of guys from out of state, obviously you um, had some guys from Florida. Um, but the majority, it felt like at least, I don't know the numbers, but it felt like they were Ohio guys yeah. and mostly big recruits. But I feel like they they would, they would take a chance on guys if they felt like they had a good relationship with the school or the coach or they, you know, and I definitely think I was, I was one of those take a chance on guys. And I don't think you're, I'm, I'm not sure coach Tressel had high hopes. I, I mean, I think it was in, I don't, I don't know that confirmed, but I think that's one of those are like, okay, I'm going to take your word for it. Coach Ginn. Let's see, let's see what we got here. But right. Yeah, even like freshman year. I mean, injuries and people getting uh, suspended and you know I was able to play in game one which right. it didn't always play out like that like it was still a couple years before I actually got my shot to right. start. but when you get an opportunity like that young it does so much for your confidence even like to get you in there early even if it was by circumstance okay now you've you've played you've had some catches you've had some success as a young guy yeah, there's a sophomore, like you don't do as much or maybe you're not, you're not rocketed like you're, you know, Terrell or like a starting quarterback that's going to start right away. Right. But I mean, it, it helps so much. I mean, by the time you get your chance, you get around, you're like, okay, I've been here. I've done this. I know how to do this. So no yeah, it was, it's, it was a combination of breaks, but I certainly, I was in a, I was put in a pretty good, a good position. And I think all things considered, um, talent-wise, I think I got the most out of what I could have got out of college. So I, I don't really I have so. regrets there. I think you're selling yourself short on that talent-wise. You were you were a super crafty guy and, and, and knew how to knew how to manipulate the defense and position yourself on the DB. So, but yeah, I mean, to to your point, it, it's crazy with with when you're getting to this level of sports. Um, doesn't matter whether it's football, baseball, tennis, you name it. Um, the breaks are, are so important. Um, you know, what's happening around you? Are there injuries? Are there people getting suspended? Um, is the opportunity even there for you to show your skills? And then, and like you said, like you, you do get that opportunity, you make a few catches and it's a, it's a, it's a mental shift. Cause I mean, I remember for myself, like it was a lot longer into my career before I got my opportunities along those lines. And I just remember those first couple of times on the field, I was like, Oh my God, like what's going on? I don't remember anything. Like, is this, am I on the line? Am I not on the line? You know, all these thoughts going through my mind and there's been so much pressure built up, but um, for the guys who do get fortunate enough to come in there and get those, those early opportunities, you're, like you said, it just really kind of opens up your, your, your ability to use all of your attributes. Um, mm -hmm. And it sounds kind of silly to say, cause like, you know, you have, you, you either have certain skills or you don't, but it's such a mental, uh, you know, a mental game at the end of the day. And if you're not confident in yourself, yep. I ran into that. I mean, experienced that a little in college, but more in the NFL because right. the stakes got higher. You're playing more sparingly, you know, and everything. And, and it, it doesn't even matter how old you are. I mean, obviously I was relatively young at the time. Right. I stopped playing football when I was like 26 or 27, but you feel old in the game. And I was in my fourth year in the NFL and had, and would feel at times if I hadn't played a lot that season, even then you get your chance exactly how you just described just yeah. like shoot what am i am i like blacking out right now or like what <laughs> you just want it so bad. Yeah. but yeah what i think what you said about the talent level anything from college on and it's probably from any any sport but like that level and up 
the difference in ability just shrinks more and more. It's like right. I, the talent level difference between guys in the NFL, they're all so good. Yep. It's like, it's, it's minuscule, but like the guys that are star stars are just that much better than everybody else. Um, and then the rest of the majority of the league, the guys that aren't the ones you see on ESPN catch breaks. They're in the right position at the right time. Um, they just fit in the system they're at. You, de- you definitely have to fall into some good opportunity um, to have success. And I think it, yeah, for me, that first year uh, in college really helped because it just, it washes away like, okay, you can play, you can do this. Right. Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, you were, like you said, you were off to the race after that point. Yeah. You weren't our, you weren't our go-to guy. Cause those seven, we had, we had Heartline and Robisky. And I think, I right. think 08 as well. They were, that was their, yeah. that was their they were there two there. years. Yeah. Um, and obviously both those guys were super successful and went on to have great NFL careers. Heartline is um, obviously most people would know who he is if you're listening to this podcast, but Brian's doing big things there at Ohio State as offensive coordinator. So, and, 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 and the truth is every year you look at Ohio State's receiving classes. Now it's gone to a whole nother level what they've been able to do these last couple of years, but there's always going to be those guys. Um, but you were always, for, for me, the way that I looked at you is that yeah, you were, yeah, you were super crafty. Yeah. You were able to, you know, manipulate defense and all that kind of stuff, but you always were there when you needed to be there. And as a coach for looking for players, like when you're looking for that third guy, that's exactly what you want. You want a guy mm-hmm. that you know is going to be in the right place at the right time. And when, the, when his number is called, he's going to make those plays. And um, yeah, I mean, you went on to be a, a, a four-year starter. Um, did you, did you, were you all big 10 senior year? Yeah. 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 First time. Rightfully. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, you, you had a, you had a great year that year and made some really incredible catches. The the one that remi- that always comes to my mind and it's it's fresh because I just talked to to DJ K or Darrell Johnson from from Iowa and we were reliving some of those moments as well. But we were playing Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. Um, it was freezing cold. It was a night game. End of the year. They always played us tough, um, and it was coming down right to the end. And and you made a little tightrope catch on the yeah, sidelines there. Yeah, that was and a big was... one. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the flyover game. Remember that? Yes, yes and we almost died. That. No, <laughs> but we almost all died. <laughs> I, yeah, no, it's, and you know what's funny is uh, we're. I'll, I'll 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 take a little step back and I'll tell the story because it's a little anecdotal, but it gives context and, and some fun parts of of what it was like to be at Ohio State or, or Iowa or, or any other school. So you know, big game. We're having flyovers. It all it's all part of the hype. You know, you got the you got the fireworks going off, the national anthem that's when you know it's a big game when you're getting those flyovers and we're standing there on the sidelines and I hear these planes coming. I'm like, man, these are loud. Like this is louder than normal. And boom, they come ripping over. And I like, I like jerked. And I'm like, dude, that thing almost hit the scoreboard. And I'm like, I'm looking around and like, there's only a few other people kind of notice. I'm like, did I just like, was my perception weird there? Like what happened? And I, after the game, I was talking to my mom about it. And the next morning, she sends me an article, and that guy got got immediately discharged from the military. Apparently, he they were only like forty feet over the scoreboard. Yeah, and it was and, one of those. You're right. We were so locked in, and you're used to flyovers, but like it happened, and we we're like, "How's it all close?" Like, <laughs> Didn't that seem a little low? And it wasn't yeah. a couple of days later. There's like there's an article that comes out. It's like are reprimanded and. I don't know if they were just like, you know, screw it. This is going to be, let's, let's try to, obviously they weren't trying to hit anything, but they're like, let's see how, 
how close we can get here. Maybe they were big Iowa fans. I don't know. But yeah, yeah you can still look it up. There's articles on on the internet there's, somewhere on it. There's video. No, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, there's there's full video. So go ahead, look that up. Because they they're looking up and then, and you can hear them after it goes over. Like whoa, whoa, yeah. 2010 Iowa Ohio State flyover. Look it up. It's like I. It was just. It was one of those moments. One of the lowest flyovers of all time. But yeah, that's well, what I remember most about that game. <laughs> not not not, yeah. not the not the fact that I was all Big Ten and made it made it the crucial. I think that was even on third or fourth down. Either it was it was yeah, a, it was. It was. A, I think it was. One of the one of the few ac- one of the few accurate passes that that TP threw the entire. Day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. I'm just kidding. I'm just kind of. I had to take. I got to take a shot. Got to take a shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean, like you know, Dan Dan was one of those guys who absolutely maximized his potential there. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you think of, of a guy at Ohio State who's a who's a three, four-year starter or four-year contributor, all Big Ten, making big plays. You, made, you had big plays in, in, in all of our wins and, and there and then, and then in the Sugar Bowl and all that kind of stuff. You're thinking, okay, yeah, he's, he's, he's not the, the prototypical guy. But at that point, you had had the West Welkers. Julian Edelman was, was doing his thing to an extent. You got the Brandon Stokely's. You think that there's like, okay, there's there's a little bit of a mold for this type of receiver. Um, uh, and, you know, you you end up going undrafted. What was that like? And, like, was your, was your agent telling you otherwise? Did you expect to get drafted? What, were, what was your thought process during that? Yeah, it was, it was surprising. I thought I would get drafted. I thought I'd be a mid-late round guy, like fourth yeah. round or something like that. I would have yeah. – uh, maybe third was, I think, was the highest I was even projected. Right. You would definitely have to fit into a system, but you're right that there was a mold for that at the time. It's not like it was unheard of. Right. I think, I think maybe the coaches, and that was kind of like my first intro to the business of the NFL, um, was that, and rightfully so, I guess it worked out, that they like might have liked me as a player, but you can get it cheap. You know, you can get as an undrafted free agent, a guy that you're not totally sure on. Because even when I was, after the draft was over, you know, talked to Chicago, um, Mike Martz was there at the time. And he was, you know, obviously he was the Rams coach when they were the greatest show on turf. He liked that position anyway. And even talking to him, I talked to him on the phone, like when I was going to make the decision or, or, you know, kind of got to choose because. For those of you that don't know, most of you do, when, you, when you're an undrafted free agent, you kind of get the pick. So right. it's not so bad as opposed to going in the seventh round because you do right. get a chance. Um, but he even had ideas for this position. Like he instilled like some confidence and like, yes, we, we, we see a place for you. And that's not, uh, that's not common for an undrafted guy. Now it wasn't mm-hmm. guaranteed, but at least he had something there. So yeah, I was surprised. Um, and maybe because my agent had kind of told me it would probably be mid rounds, but you're going to get drafted. I mean, they were doing a, I don't know if you remember this, they were filming a show called Path to the Pros on the Big Ten Network. Okay. And they had four guys and JJ, and they, they were supposed to be like spread throughout the draft. Mm-hmm. JJ Watt was one of them. I was one of them. There was another guy from Penn State, I believe. Okay. Handful of them. But anyways, I had a, a camera crew at my house during this time. So you're like oh, watching God. the entire draft process. Your family and friends are there. You're like, oh, this is what it's all about. 
and then you get all the way to the end and then you just now you know what the episode is going to be about. <laughs> and it's not a, it's not a short process too that's an elongated level of torture um, and it's that was the lockout year too so typically once the draft's over then free agents are next then you figure it all out that day so at least as a thing well lockout year they only had an agreement to do the draft and once the draft ended lockout was back on so it was another month and a half or so in Columbus. I didn't know where I was going until the lockout lifted. So, mm. yeah, I, I was surprised that I didn't, didn't get drafted at the time. In hindsight, I can, I can see it from a business perspective. I, it's a little surprising that nobody pulled, pulled the trigger, but, you know, there's also there's hundreds and hundreds of guys that are draft hopefuls and only so many get picked. So, right. Right. It's just how it, I mean, it was part of the part of the journey, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. And I'm sure I'm sure it put a, a, a little bit more fuel in your fire for when you did show up uh, there in Chicago to, to prove that that was a mistake and that and that you are a guy that um, needs to be respected and, and given an opportunity for you. I mean, you know, I, I know Dane so well, we spent so many so much time together, obviously being in the, the same position group. And I, I feel like our group was always a little bit closer. Um, than some of the others. So I, 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 I feel like I know Danny's such a stoic person. I mean, you could tell him the, the most incredible news or, or the worst news and, and you'd probably get the same facial expression out of him. Um, <laughs> Is the world ending? Hmm. <laughs> Either way. Um, so, I mean, I, I know you, you didn't let on to that. And, and regardless of what your thought process were you, you were, you were probably at the facilities the next day going through your routine and, and getting yourself prepared for whatever that, that next opportunity was going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's all I really knew too. I mean, which is a, probably a good thing. And in that particular profession, if you were going to call at that point, you would be calling it that there's, yeah. that's really all you can do. And it's actually kind of nice because like, at least if nothing else, just go put in the work, just go, yep. go, go to work, go do the workouts, get yourself ready to have an opportunity. Um, so yeah, it was disappointing, but that was just the beginning of seeing just a whole different side of, of football, of going sure. into the professional world, which was a whole nother whirlwind of an experience. Um, didn't start off how I expected, um, but again, I got my first year in Chicago, I caught some breaks, was in the right place when I needed to be and got to play a bunch as a rookie. Actually, that's the most I played in my four years in the NFL was as you had a like rookie. 20 catches or something. I mean, you had a couple, you had like one or two games where it was like, okay, let's yeah, go. Like actually getting fantasy points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So that was, I mean, we had some injuries um, that created opportunities, but obviously you still have to be ready and you have to be, you know, good enough to do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was, uh, it was a whole different level, but I, you know, you get your chances there, you take advantage of them. And at this point I'm still like locked into, this is the only way forward, which also right. that mindset also, which it, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, <laughs> probably un unhealthy yeah. was necessary for me because if it right. wasn't like, okay, at this point, I'm good on this. Like, I don't need right. to be shipping around to trying to make this thing happen. Uh, yep. 
in different cities or like going through it's just camp in the NFL is not fun. Camp's never fun, but it's no. just not fun. You're away from your family. You know, at that point I, you're kind of alone in Chicago. It's mm-hmm. if you don't have the mindset, or at least for me, if I didn't have the mindset of this is the only way, right. it would have been like, we'll yeah. see. Well, you, you see it happen to a lot of guys, man. They, they get to that point and they're just, they're just really not up to that task. And it's, it's so interesting because for, for everybody who's played at that point, that was definitely their dream and, and, and what they were the task with was starting off this whole journey. And you get there and it's just not what you expected. And, and, and you hear that from a lot of guys who've had the experience. And it's just like, you know, I remember I used to give Kurt uh, Coleman some trash about this because he would always be like, you know, I, I got to go to work or I'm going to my job or things of that nature. And I'm like, dude, all right, cut the crap, bro. You're going to play football. Um, but, you know, now as I've gotten older and had more perspective and had more conversations, like, and, and had my own experiences, it's just like, you know, you're right. that it, it, It's an absolute job. These are not college kids anymore. These are these are full-grown men and, and women, and they have families at home, and, and they're there for, for a purpose. And so if you're not about that purpose every single day, every single second, um, even if you are the most talented guy in the room, you're going to get washed out quick. Um, but yeah, I think the cool. thing- those locker rooms are full of guys that want to be there. Yeah. That's it. I mean, there's one or two freakishly talented guys that don't have to try the hardest and will get plenty of opportunities because of how high their ceiling is. But mm-hmm. most of the locker rooms in the NFL, I would say probably all pro sports, but they're full of guys that really want to be there. Right. Like, it's really the only way to do it at that level. Of course. Of course. I think, I think one thing that stuck out to me, what you said there and in, in, in the context of what we're talking on this podcast is was when you had, when you had the opportunity to, to go play, but you didn't know where it was. And you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go work. I'm going to take care of what's necessary, even though I don't know where the destination is. I think that's something that's super important. I think that's something that a lot of athletes possess that we don't even really realize um, and can be so applicable to your life after sports, because it's like, you know, one thing I can say about life is it's uncertain, you know what I mean? Um, but there's, there is one thing that is certain and you can control the, the, you know, how you're preparing yourself, the work that you're putting in on a day-to-day basis to, to, to make yourself the best possible version so when those opportunities do come up in, in whatever aspect of your life, whether it's your professional work life, whether it's your family life, whether, you know, whatever you put it, you put a label on it. Um, but those type of things. And I feel like sometimes that's a little bit lost with, with us athletes is like, no, dude, you got this. You just like, you know how to implement that. Just repurpose that same mindset you had, um, you know, when you're trying to make it happen and, and use that towards finding a new career or use that towards finding, making yourself as happy as you possibly can be. But those are those little anecdotes that I'm, I'm trying to pull out um and, and show and show people so that they can utilize them you know in their day-to-day lives yeah it's it's hard to transition it it definitely is um because it is such a it, it's easy to get on board with like you know what the upside and the payoff is for it there's a lot more nuance i should say outside of football <laughs> football yes. is a, it has very clear guidelines rules and your goal with all of that work is to get a chance to get on the field. You want the mm-hmm. coaches to trust you, to put you there in that position. Then you kind of go from there, you know, then if I do that, I make plays. There is certain, there's definitely parallels to the business world, but there's a lot more gray to that. At least that's what I've found is like football is compared to right. everything else. It feel it's really black and white. It's, well, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed that. That's exactly what I talk about all the time is that is that it's like you are this crazy disciplined person who's able to achieve these insane feats of not only physical strength, but mental strength. But at the same time, somebody's saying, Dane, you're going to be here at 730. 
then from 7.30 to 8.15, you'll be here, so on and so forth, all the way throughout the day, throughout the month, throughout the year. And we lean on that, obviously. We lean on that. But the thing is, 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 is when, when the time is up, nobody's like, hey, you know what? We're going to – you're 20-something. You know, we'll give you a little bit of runway. We'll keep this little schedule in place where you tell you where you need to be. No, it's over. Like It's like hand in your jersey, hand in your playbook, and uh, good luck. Mm-hmm. I, don't know where you're, I don't know where you're going. I don't know what plans you have, but it ain't going to be here. Um, so you're, you're, you're so right about that. Um, there are but yeah, I want, if you can pluck it out, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to hear a little bit more, but you, you, you come in, you have, you have a, an unexpected uh, uh, rookie year where you, where you're, you're contributing and, and you're putting, you're, you're putting great tape out there still at the end of the day, you're undrafted free agent. So I know how NFL teams work. They're always looking like, okay, you know, I know he just did this, but what if we brought in a guy that, that could do more? And so you're still fighting. So what was like the vibe going from your first to second year there in Chicago? Yeah, I is probably, I was a little naive because like after you contribute, you, you play a lot your first year, you like, you made the team, you know, you kind of feel like you're there, like they're going to count on you. Now in mm-hmm. hindsight, yeah they're trying to replace everybody every year if they can because there's a whole staff of front office people coaches grown-ups I should say like yeah you're (laughs) it's not like I all of a sudden was a full-on adult from my senior year of college to my rookie year but I kind of thought you know like all right I'm going to be in the plans for this um you know in reality I had to make I was gonna have to make the team every year that I was in the like you're mm-hmm. going to be on, because unless there's not much security, even for a number three wide receiver, right? I, was gonna, I wasn't going to be a number one, maybe number two, if there's injury, but most likely a third down guy, somebody that's going to, you know, play in that very narrow spot that I have. Mm-hmm. Could I contribute much on special teams? Maybe as a returner, but I played in yeah. Chicago at the time of a guy named Devin Hester was there. They certainly uh, did not need my. <laughs> I've heard of him before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't going to, like, and make a bunch of tackles on – I wasn't just going to – there was a very specific spot for me. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I felt like going into my second year, I had – I was going to be part of the plans. I felt like, yeah, that I'm going to contribute here, and I'll probably progress because it's natural to think, like, you'll do better your next year. You're going to – you're not thinking, like, oh, I better hang on to this while I can not when you're in mm-hmm. it. Um. Yeah. But then you're also like, I'm adjusting to, well, I'm in, I'm in, I was plopped in Chicago for the season, literally to be in camp. So I just have like a, I'm renting an apartment in, in nowhere, Chicago, like up where the right. training facility is. It's not nowhere. Vernon Hills is a very nice place for all of our Vernon Hills. <laughs> but it, it, so like the season ends and now you have three months. It's like, there's no schedule of what you have to be doing. You have mm-hmm. at least two months off to do whatever you want. So where are you going to train? What are you going to do? Well, I didn't know if I was going to make the team, hadn't planned for this. So now you got to deal with your whole off season of what am I doing here? How am I going to train? And now I have, now I have money. So now you're, now you're an adult. I, it, it's a very weird and there's no playbook for it. At least mm-hmm. I didn't come from a family of NFL players. Right. I right. guess maybe there's a rare case where like you have guys in front of you that are doing this and have done it. And to some extent I had some other Ohio state guys. So that's what I ended up doing, you know, training mm-hmm. some other Ohio state guys in the off season. But um, yeah, I guess I didn't take into consideration of how delicate my position was on the mm-hmm. team and in the NFL. 
Um, so yeah, we went into the second year and second camp and sure enough, they brought in a bunch of new receivers. It's a whole new, it's, it's rinse and repeat. It's like, all right, make the team again. Mm-hmm. Um, brought Brandon Marshall in. We bought, brought, uh, there's a handful of guys in there, but obviously the, the receiver room in any NFL team is going to be relatively stacked Right. for everybody there is going to be good. So yeah, the year two was a little bit of an awakening because I didn't play as much. There was games when I was inactive. So I made the 53-man roster, had a good preseason, was good enough. So they say, yeah, we'll keep you on, but not active for every game. I wasn't mm-hmm. up. And for, again, those that don't know, they're only, they only dress 46. So 53 yeah. are on the roster, only 46 are available to play. Why? I'm not actually that sure. Yeah, that's Why you wouldn't, but I, I, that's just, that's how it is. So you don't really want to be on the fringe there. And so I was always that whole year kind of on the edge of that roster. Mm. And that goes to kind of what we were talking about originally. It's a lot harder to feel engaged in the team and in the game and also perform when it is your time to go in there. So completely different uh feel of a season my second year when you're just on the edge there and then they ended up at the end of the year and this is like an insight people I don't know why people get a kick out of this but into like the life of the NFL so this was week 17 we had so many injuries that we didn't have enough safeties to play and I was like a number four receiver so this was I got let go from Chicago week 17 on Christmas Eve Okay, so like oh you're gosh. trying to like plan like they're like nope sorry we got to bring somebody in on defense we don't have any room you're not really contributing on special teams see ya and on christmas so i was on waivers they call they call you in bring your playbook you're like uh-oh that's you don't <laughs> i don't know where my playbook is coach i don't know what to tell you i'll yeah, see you next week though all right can we talk monday tuesday yeah. <laughs> no so that's christmas eve christmas day the Bengals pick me up on waivers and there's a storm coming through so i had to drive down to Cincinnati, leave my apartment in Chicago. I was in Cincinnati the next day at practice in a Bengals uniform. Wow. And that's like, that's the, that's why the edge of the rosters works in the NFL. And all along, you're kind of starting to figure out, okay, this Uh-oh. is what, this is what the league is. Yeah. Like this is, it's no longer, you know, like the brotherhood of Ohio state and like, we're doing this for a cause. And like, this is right. this means something you've got to convince yourself of that on some level or it's got to mean something to you personally, because it's not going to come from like us. Right. Right. So it's, that was my, through my second year, that was my first real introduction into the real. So you, you drove from Chicago down to Cincinnati, which is Mm -hmm. like, I mean, that's like, what is that? Like a seven hour drive? It might not be that much. You could fact check, but it it felt like it was, I don't know, five, (laughs) five six five what are you thinking there because did you have I, I know you said you're like okay i'm on the fringe of the roster but like you, you know week 17 you got to think like your, your your position is safe at least for the remainder of that season and then yeah now you're now you're in a car driving down through you know which love the midwest but the drives aren't the best especially during yeah. that time of year <laughs> yeah and you're just, and then you're at then you're at a hotel in cincinnati you're meeting a new team who's already played 17 weeks of a season you're just like coming in and you're trying to learn their practice like plays and practice and getting to know people um my thought 
at the time and while I was playing, even this, you're so like centered on yourself is like, I, you know, I'm the star of my own story, you know, of course. So in this, in this point, it's like, okay, this is just another, this is a setback in my story. So like, how am I going to spin this into being like the hero again? So I wasn't like that. I was disappointed by it, but I was just like, well, here's what's in front of me. Here's what I've got to do. And how do I make this work? Right. Um, so, I mean, again, that's kind of what, if you're going to play for any meaningful amount of time, at least on the edge of these rosters, there's guys right now in the NFL, that are in that position. And that's the type of like mindset that it takes to, if you really want it, you can make it work. So I made yep. it work for two more years in Cincinnati, just grinding it out and making the team every, every camp and hanging on and contributing enough and showing that you have enough value for them to save a roster spot for you. Um, I, I feel like every opportunity you got, at least, I mean, I, I wasn't abreast to every opportunity you got, but I, you know, I, I kept tabs as much as I, as much as I could that you were making, but didn't you have a punt return in Cincinnati in the, in the preseason or something along those lines? Yeah. Preseason. Yeah. is what pretty much kept me around there. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a punt each of my two years in Cincinnati. I had a punt return touchdown in a preseason game and was able to play a lot and contribute. Um, if the NFL was full of like the second level players, I'd be really good in that. Like the starters playoff level, the, the guys that are just freak of nature athletes. And that's, it's really hard to stick around there. The, the preseason games were like, that was perfect for me. <laughs> it is crazy man like because you know we playing at a school like ohio state you're that, that team is con, is constructed of nfl guys at the end of the day the, every, yeah. at every position there's guys that are that size you know what i mean mm -hmm. um so you, you feel like okay yeah no this is what it's like and then when you get around when you get on the field or in the locker room with with actual nfl teams you're like oh my god these mm -hmm. people are just not it's just not normal yeah. they're like you realize like when you were at your ohio state team when it feels like everybody because they you're the best of uh, among the best of college players right you maybe got one guy like cam hayward like you got one guy that's like an nfl guy now we there was a lot of guys that had some success and played for you know two three four years um but not a lot i think honestly i was i was thinking about it it's cam which i mean he's just had such an incredible career and yeah um it's probably might be even a hall of famer, which is just nuts. Um, crazy, to think. Yeah. So happy for him. And then Kurt, who, who had a 10 year career, I, I, you know, Laurinaitis had like a, a seven or so year career. Yeah. I mean, Beanie Wells had some injuries. He, I think he had a five or six year, but not many guys make it past that, that, that five. Yeah. Malcolm, of course, Malcolm, Jesus, Malcolm yeah. had a great there's, career. Yeah. But there's like, it's not a lot. No. For the amount of guys that are in that locker room. So yeah, so like, it was really those preseasons in Cincinnati that kept me enough on the team and that I can contribute enough. And then also, it's every, at least for my level and the guys that are like, you know, not the stars, every week in practice even matters. So it's mm -hmm. not like you're cruising and chilling through practice like you see on ESPN, like this guy's resting, this, not on that thing. <laughs> like you're like trying to, you need to be ready to go you don't know if you're going to be active or expected to play against the Ravens 
or yeah. or do yeah. they need you against I don't know Oakland this week or not or like we're doing here's our Thursday night game is this person healthy or so you're just you need to be it's kind of like being a backup quarterback like you, you yep. got to be ready to go and you can't suck at practice if you suck at practice you're you're not going to get the shot at all they'll bring somebody right else. right so, and that's it no shortage of those people waiting for that opportunity either. Yeah. I mean, so it got to your point. I was did one year in Cincinnati. It was like still like, okay, my rookie contract was up. So this is my first time to sign another contract. Cincinnati wanted to bring me back. Obviously still going to make the team to get the contract that you're promised. Mm-hmm. So I signed a one year deal there, made the team. Second year, year in Cincinnati was kind of up and down, still played, contributed a little bit, but it was after that season that I, it was to a point where it's like, okay, I've got my full breadth of what this thing is. And I think I've taken it to its, its conclusion. You know, <laughs> I can only hang on to this for so long. And when you know, you know, and when I no longer feel like getting tackled, like when I'm getting annoyed about being tackled, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be in the NFL. You and, should get you, a job where you're not being tackled. You, for particular reasons, I don't know what it was, but it seems like people always tackled you extra hard. <laughs> I know, man. I don't know what it was either. And I think it maybe it's just like if you're a defensive player and you see somebody that's pretty slight, right? It's just like it's blood in the water. You're like, Mm. if I can blow somebody up, I'm gonna blow that person. That guy up, right? That guy's getting blown up. Yeah, Yeah. more than I would like. And after, yeah, four years of college, four years NFL, you're like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm gonna let somebody else do that you know it's i actually remember this and i don't know if you remember it but it was it was when we were in the bahamas for for uh curtain his wife's wedding yeah and uh i just i, I think that might have been right around your fourth year in fact i think it was. it was and um i remember talking to you and you just the, the spark had gone the spark had gone i remember yeah. i was like so what's on the, what's on tap for the next year about bone you're like i Honestly, I don't even know if I really want to continue. And I'm sitting here because I'm, I was a guy that was chasing. And I'm like, dang, dude, what are you talking about, man? Like, yeah. all right, we look enough alike. I'll just show up. I'll show yeah. up. All right. Yeah, you know what, dude? I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I see that now, like when I, I recognize it in other people now, that lack mm-hmm. of spark that when guys that I've talked to at this point, not as much, but like when I was first done and guys that I had played with were kind of on that path or on that bubble or like, I don't know, man, you don't see it in yourself when it's in the moment. Mm-hmm. but yeah looking back on it and even talking to people I mean I was kind of a I was not that fun to be around that those last couple of years because it's just like the stress and you're realizing that like this thing that you've given up so much for is maybe not what you expected of it which maybe right. maybe it never is I'm sure any walk of life that is on that level it's never quite what you expected yeah. but yeah, it was, you start to feel a little dead in the eyes and you're just like, and I, and, the, and that carried over to my last year of just like not wanting, I was just like pissed about everything, much less yeah. being tackled. Like that was on top. <laughs> I was mad about everything. <laughs> I said no pickles. I said no pickles. Exactly. <laughs> on everybody. Like you're just, your uh, wick is that short. You're just like, yeah, it was not a, which is not your personality, you know, particularly fondly. No. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's it. Yes. 
That's interesting. I mean, so like you, so you, I mean, you basically made a conscious decision with your agent. Like, do you want to keep going where you're just like, you know, I'm, I'm good. Or was it like, you know, Cincinnati wasn't bringing you back and you just didn't want to go through the whole process. Like what were your thoughts? Like, I'm not going to no, play it was, ball. So. It was a conscious decision. It was one of the hardest things I had to do at the time because nobody was pulling my plug. Mm. And at a certain point, I think in, most athletes would rather somebody tell you that you're, I, I don't know, actually. I would have, I would have felt better if somebody would have said no. So mm -hmm. I had in two, I was looking out for my health at a certain yep. point. Like when I was like, I didn't want to get tackled anymore. I didn't mm -hmm. want to get any more concussions. I didn't want to like, like there was enough stuff coming up that I'm like, this is a concern. And I'm thinking in games, like it's a positive if I'm not dressing today, because now I don't run that risk that's not a good place to be. Like if you're no. a 53 man roster and you're like, Oh, this is a good thing that, so I'm still getting paid this week and I don't have to go play. Okay. I bought myself another week. There was some rational part of my brain way in the depths. That's like, this is, this is pretty dumb, man. Yeah. So my last game against um, Pittsburgh, our last regular season game, we were making the playoffs. So I, I had to self report a concussion because it wasn't like a big one, but it was to a point, my nervous system was all over the place. So I, I don't know if I was just feeling stuff or too tense or whatever it was. Once you self-report a concussion, that's kind of a scarlet letter. Like you're not, you know, it's not <laughs> what they want to see, regardless, there's progress been made, I'm sure, but mm -hmm. it's not what the team wants to see in their investment. Mm -hmm. So I did concussion protocol. I was cleared by a doctor. I was cleared by a, uh, independent neurologist so there was like there was barriers in place here but everybody was saying like you're good to play that was like and i knew i was like huh that can't be okay and then you go and you do i went to independent neurologist too everybody you were you're cleared to go mm -hmm. so there was not going to be a doctor saying hey man like your knee ligaments aren't good sorry we can't clear you to go and at that point you'd be like okay it's not my fault not my decision sorry guys did my best this right. was like that there's no tangible broken leg there's no nothing but i knew i couldn't i wasn't gonna go hmm. or it would take something astronomical so it was like i knew i opted out of the last because i was cleared to play in the playoff game and i had to say like i know that i'm not ready and in a sport like that, at that level, among guys like that was like the hardest thing that you had to do. Opt out yourself because you know that the coaches are looking at you like, you're soft, dude. Yeah. And then you know that they are because that's, and it's not, they're not bad guys, I guess. It's just that that's the culture of it. That's the culture. You just, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head there. Once, once that happened, that I had one foot out the door. I was like, no team's going to touch you after this. Like, yeah, I had to know. And it was like, I was emotional about it. I remember I was with years and this independent neurologist just like, <laughs> I don't know, man, it's up to you. <laughs> it's up to me if I can play or not. And I'm right. like, I know I can't. So I'm going to say no. So I did have, after that, like we finished our last, they lost the playoff game in Cincinnati. It was so weird going back into the facility because I kind of knew like this was it. We did like our checkout meetings and everything. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be an opportunity in Cincinnati, but at that point I was just like, let me get away from this for a little bit and figure it out. Mm -hmm. 
there were some teams that were willing to bring me into camps. Uh, they contacted my agent and then it got to a point, you don't ever have to retire from the NFL. Technically mm-hmm. just a free agent until nobody calls you anymore. It's not like you got to sign paperwork. Right. Um, but yeah, it got to a point where I had to then tell my agent, like, he's like, well, what do you want me to tell him? And I'm like, yeah, no, not interested. Or um, I got to figure something else out. So yeah, it was hard, but I mean, nobody's, it's a tough situation because nobody's ever going to boohoo a NFL player. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you got real problems, man. Hey, it's all relative, man. It's all, it's, it's, all, it's all relative. It's all relative. It, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a human experience. And, and, and to, like you said, all those things that you caveated it with, like, you know, you've been doing this your entire life and then, it, and then you, you had that success at Ohio state and then you're now you're an NFL player. That's how, that's how you're identifying yourself. And then, to to come from it from that perspective where you're like no i'm i'm pulling the plug on this i'm actually going to end it like that's a that's a that's a deep place to be mentally and like i mean I, any sport you could say this for but football is definitely one of those that if, if you're not ready if you're not ready every single every single player to put your body on the line then you definitely should not be out there because it, the odds are you're gonna get hurt no dude, um, it's scary yeah. it's sort of for, <laughs> they get scary and you're not feeling like you're invincible anymore like you did in high school or mm-hmm. in college it's just like it's a weird feeling and you don't want to be because there's those guys out there are tough as hell and that's another thing there's not really there's not soft nfl players like if they're out there you don't want to be out there if you're not ready for it so yeah that was that was the hardest part that took years to like reckon with and figure out what that experience even was or much less figure out who you are next, what you want to do with all that. It was just like kind of figuring out my feelings about how it all ended and, and trying to take a good positive takeaway from it. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think it ever ends how you want it to. Maybe like four guys ever have had their NFL career end how they wanted it to. Right. Ray Lewis, Peyton Manning, and yeah, I don't exactly. know who else. They have statues. Um, right. Right. So, so that you make that decision, you go into the off season, you're kind of halfway and halfway out teams are calling, you know, you, you're kind of cementing that feeling you're in your mind that I'm, I'm not, I'm not for this anymore. What were your thoughts? Like, am I like, what am I going to do after this? Did you have a plan? Like, I know you said you, you went back to Toledo, right? Yeah, I was back to Toledo. Um, and that's another thing. I, I didn't, I did not have a plan. I had plan A was this and then plan B was whatever else would come from it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was living in Cincinnati, but I didn't own a house anywhere. Um, wasn't married, didn't have family. So I moved back to Toledo. I was living with my parents for a little bit, which also I would not recommend that. (laughs) That's in a similar situation because it's hard enough figuring out who you are, but then to like mentally go from this stage to literally back in your childhood bedroom, it's just not, it's not healthy. So you at least rent your own place wherever you want to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, the dog's here. Hey, hey friend. Hey. Let, let him in. Let him in. No, he'll, people love, he'll attack. People, people love dogs. A, Hi, buddy. See, Dane, Dane Sandsenbacher is a human being, people. You see this? Look at this. Oh, my mother-in-law's dog. It's not my mom's dog, but they're visiting. Super cute, man. <laughs> hey, run along. This, this is really going to humanize you for the people. Yeah. 
really endear myself. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was tough going back to Toledo, um, just because it was that was all I was known for there too. Uh, how are you going to go? You can't really find what you are after this if the only thing, and rightfully so, anybody knows you there for is this one thing. Mm. Um, so it was, it was, it was really tough. Um, and then it was, I kind of figured everything would just fall into place for me because it's like, well, I did this thing. Everything's going to be handed to me at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, on one hand, I did get a lot of opportunities, but like my, in my, mentally, I wasn't ready to like for real life. And right. I was still in like celebrity mode. <laughs> like I did, when I got back to Toledo, my first opportunity was doing, I was like, I'll try this broadcasting thing, see if something on TV works. So I worked for the local news station there for a couple of years doing sports. Um, I was working part-time there, but I was doing sports stuff when I could. And then I was just doing general news. That's right. That's I remember you telling me that, which I would, I'm going to, I need to find a clip of you reporting on the local cat fashion show. Oh, uh, that's pretty much what my beat was. It was pretty fun. <laughs> It was, it was cool, but I was also, it was just confusing people because that whole <laughs> of a city. And then I was just like reporting on house fires. Like you got to a point where I was reporting news, actual news that mattered to people. I'm like, I don't know that I should be doing this. I should so be cat fashion shows. What I should right. have been doing was serious news. Right. So, yeah, that was, that was an experiment there. Um, so funny man yeah to, that was the main transition of figuring that out then i went from mm -hmm. there i was i spent a year after that um back at central catholic high school as their director of admissions so a complete flip mm -hmm. um, it was my alma mater obviously uh running their admissions department so spent a year doing that uh it was nice to be back and doing all that um but at the time i met my now wife yeah. And she's not from Toledo. She was there for work. Um, and she ended up getting a job down in Columbus. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, well, this is a good opportunity to get back to central Ohio, maybe change some things up. She actually kind of had to do a fair amount of convincing to get me to leave. So I was like, oh, this is, this is where I grew up. But, um, <laughs> hey, John. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been nice. It was, it, it's been nice being back in central Ohio and Columbus. So, that's how I ended up back here. Pandemic hit, got into lending, been doing that ever since. Man, that's just, it's, it's so interesting. Cause like I, it, to me, if I were you, I would be like, yeah, let's go back to Columbus for sure. But it, it's just funny that you were still like holding on like, well, maybe, maybe I do want to stay in Toledo, but. Well, it was, it's comfortable. There's a lot of opportunities there. And I think there's a little bit of like, too. It's like, what was I, in? I didn't really get to experience Columbus in college. I mean, I went to college here, but yeah. not actually Columbus. Or well, you were a hermit. And it's Remember like, you, you lived in your little borough underneath the stairs. Yeah. Me and Brandon, we didn't do anything. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think there was a part of it too, that associated Columbus with this past life that I felt like a completely different person at that point. Mm -hmm. And I, it was such a different mindset of who I had to be and how I had to like the mindset of being in college at, or in Columbus that I think there was part of me that was just like, I immediately didn't want to go back to that because right. then I have to fall into this mold again and I'm not playing anymore. So what, what am I in Columbus? Am I now like a former Ohio state guy? And now what, if, how right. does this work? 
it's That's so interesting to kind of figure it out. Um, and I don't think you ever totally get it figured out, but it's been a, it's been a weird transition, but now I can kind of separate the two and take the good from what that experience was, but still like have a rational mindset on what having a career means, what working means, like stuff you kind of get spoiled through when you're chasing your football dream. Right. I don't mean it was, it was an experience, but like, you don't think like, like the rest of them. How could you? How could you? You're you're living in this. You're living in this, like you said, this bubble. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just you, the the point that you made when you said you you know you left Cincinnati and then and then the, let's just for for conversational purposes that next night you're you're sleeping in your bed in in your parents' house that you grew up in. And um, one thing that I've noticed about myself and and that you know I I feel like this applies to pretty much everybody. But like you when you when you are a person in a space and time in Toledo or for me in, in Dana Point, California, when we were both in Columbus or whatever it is, um, you really are that person, right? And then you leave and you grow, hopefully you grow and you mature and you change and you and you have a different perspective. But it's funny when you go back to those places, it's like you you like it's your your brain like does it like as a default. You kind of go back into some of those habits or some of those ways of 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 going about things and like like it takes a little bit to smack yourself like, no dude, I'm not that person anymore. Um and so like that to me that can be dangerous and the fact that it's like you know for you it's positive you have a great family you know you have some infrastructure there to go back to but when you're talking about other people who who don't have those things and they go back to to wherever they're from and next thing you know the only thing that they got to do is to to hang out with their buddies from high school and you know we all know where that leads most of the time it's not good places um so just like being able to like be present enough to say okay hold on a second i'm i'm turning into something that i that i used to be i don't want to be that person anymore i want to I want to grow. I want to mature. Um, it's, it's a, it's a skill. I guess, a, I guess I don't even know if it's a skill, but a learned, a learned ability to, to separate yourself from that and say, I'm not that person anymore. I'm going to be this new version of myself who, who does have experiences and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I figured it had to be kind of interesting going back to Columbus because like you said, you, you were somewhat of a, not somewhat, you were definitely a, a, a local celebrity there. Um, what was it like? What was it like, like going and like interviewing for jobs? Like, did people know who you were? It's not like for for you and I. It's like people we walk down the street and nobody goes, "Hey, that guy was a big time football player for sure." Yeah. Um, it was it was really it was hard coming back here, and it was the same situation that you feel like it is like when you move back to your like I'm back in my parents' house. I've I've outgrown this as a human, but then I'm back there, so I'm bouncing. It just doesn't fit. Like something mm-hmm. feels wrong about this. Like I just feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I should not be here. Like I'm too. I'm I'm a, I've outgrown this, but I'm still here. I'm trying to figure out what's next. This is the only place I can really go. Mm-hmm. It was a similar feeling to that coming back to Columbus again. It was trying to figure out what, how do I fit in here? I I'm not the same person I was when I was first down here. Um, I'm, I, I've been kind of humbled by the whole game. There's been year after year of Ohio state stars that were just as big as I was. You're kind of, people kind of remember you, but you're in the rear view. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was super lucky. I reached out to coach trust when I was moving back down here and like, just say, who can I get in touch with just to kind of reconnect with people, mm-hmm. put me in touch with awesome, awesome people that I still keep in touch with today. Um, so I was very lucky in the networking sense of like getting in touch with some really solid people in Columbus to kind of build that network. 
but I was kind of expecting job to fall off a tree <laughs> and it just does not happen no. I can completely understand why it's because like what people only hire you if you can help their job your story is cool but how mm-hmm. are you going to benefit my company or my mm-hmm. whatever and that's how you'd want it to be I'm taking my outside of, like if I'm just zooming way out that's how you'd want it to be you wouldn't just like oh you're a former athlete I'll hire you well if you're like a spokesperson maybe Mm-hmm. Other than that, like what skills do you have to better my business? Hadn't quite developed those yet. Hadn't quite figured that out. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was tough, like going through, I met a ton of great people, talked to a lot of people, but still it, it was trying to figure out, okay, what, how am I even going to fit here? Who's going to hire me? And it really just wasn't, I started, I interviewed for some marketing jobs and yeah, the Ohio State thing, which you think is a strong, like on your resume, like this is going to look sweet, like played in the <laughs> four years, look at this. But it's like a cool, it's a cool talking point. It definitely runs the conversation and people like it, mm-hmm. but that's all it is. Uh, at the yep. end of the day, it's like at, uh, in most jobs, unless you figure well, out how to use it, it, how to make it useful for you. So it really like I was kind of striking out on a lot of the traditional route. Aaron Petrie, who was a kicker when we were there, was working in the in the um, mortgage business. And the pandemic had hit when we moved down here, so we were like, I was living in an apartment. Everything was shutting down, job wise, hiring wise, in the marketing field. So that's really how I got into what I am doing now. Was through was not through any like was through somebody I played with. It was through a friend essentially to bring you yep. in and, and start doing this. Um, but yeah, there's still, I don't think you ever, there's still times I feel like a fish out of water. I mean, in all of those meetings and most of them, maybe it's just a natural thing. Maybe it's a former athletes thing, but it never feels completely comfortable. You feel like an imposter until you don't really. Right. And, and so like, yeah, it's, it's, it was really weird coming back here. It's I don't fine. think you ever stopped feeling an imposter. Yeah, there's a, there's a syndrome or something. <laughs> there I is, I re- every day I'm like, I, who am I? And I'll look at myself in the Zoom mirror and I'll be like, I'll have my collar shirt on. And obviously I'm not very clean shaven. I've, I've, that's my that's my only like thing holding on to my individuality right. is my beard, I guess. But like, I get in these conversations and now I'm in technology and I'm talking about like things that are way over my head. And I'm just like, you know, I know some buzzwords and I'm like trying to navigate the conversation so I can just get this to somebody smarter. And I'm like, zoom thing goes off. And I'm just like, how did I get to this point? Like I'm talking about hyperconverged infrastructure and what the connectors are that are going to implement in this business that are going to give you insights that are going to allow you to grow your bottom line. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I just said it. I have no idea what it means, <laughs> but I do know how to run a seven step stick against cover two. You know what that I mean? I <laughs> but unless you want to go into coaching, that's no good for you. Exactly. Matter. And the coaching thing is, you know, I, 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 for me, I, I checked that off my box of not wanting to do it when we were in college. And I, and I saw yeah. what all those guys were, were going through and, and their, their schedules and how their relationships were with their families. And I was just like, yeah, no, I don't want any part of that. No, it's um, never been really, it's the most natural thing. It's what I have a doctorate in, but it's not, it's never, a, I don't think I would be the right fit for it. Anyway, maybe so. like high school, maybe like high school. I don't know either way, but I think what was interesting about what you said, and I think is a good point to like kind of touch on and 
was one of the fears because I, for me, I was bouncing around getting tryouts in Canada and signing with whatever USFL league had, had popped up that year and then folding and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I got, I got, I, I had an opportunity with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and didn't end up working out. And I'm, I think I was like 24 at the time. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, dude, like if I'm like, if I keep trying to chase this and I end up, you know, 27, 28 and my resume is former Ohio state guy bounced around for five years in auxiliary football leagues. Like nobody's going to want to hire a 28 year old guy. Like, I mean, I guess I'm decently well-spoken and I can, and I can carry a conversation, but I mean, it just, it was, that part was scary to me. And so that's when I was like, okay, I kind of like, I got nervous. You know what I mean? I was like, oh God, what's coming next? Like, I need to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so that's when I, when I pulled that plug, but like, it's just a weird space to be because you're so accomplished, right? You've done such high level things and, 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 and take that, which takes an unbelievable amount of amount of commitment and, and, and fortitude and all those kind of things. But yet when it comes to being a marketing person or when it comes to selling mortgages, like they don't care. Yeah. You, just I mean, you haven't built any equity in a, in a job or a career. Right. That's yeah. useful. It's like, it, it's like pulling somebody's uh, license to practice medicine. If they mm-hmm. like didn't, went to med school, did all these things. They're like, here, I'm, I'm at the top of my field. And then you're like, okay, that's great. And you're very smart and you speak well. You can do anything else you want, but you just can't do that. Like you can't do anything in medicine. So pick whatever you want. Well, you got to start over. Like it's helpful, but yeah, it got to a point where like I'm looking at my resume and it's like, man, I am going to have to start over from scratch in this. And then you go through a period, at least I did, where like you're kind of resentful for the time. It's irrational now, but like the time you wasted doing this thing. I'm like, okay, now there's people that are my age that are in real life terms further along than me because they've had time to do their career. And I was playing a sport for four years professionally. And it's not like you're making money, but it's not never work again money. It's not long term. So wouldn't it be better to have equity in a job that you're going to do and actually figure that out when you're an age that everybody else is figuring it out too? Instead of coming in at 28, and now you're figuring out entry level stuff. That's the that's the mindset you don't want to be. That's the one I've I've been there, but it's not it's not useful. And um, but it is. I'm sure a lot of people think that way at a time where you start mm-hmm. to get like, mad at the whole process. Absolutely. But in reality, I mean, everybody could point to that at some point in their life where they're just like, why did I waste time doing this? Why is it? It just is what it is. But it yeah. is it is it's a tough, it's a tough, um, it's a tough pill to swallow. Know, yeah. Cause you don't want to feel sorry for yourself, but then again, you're like, at least me internally, like kind of feeling sorry for myself. Kind of like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, I, why did I spend time doing this? Why? Like, wh- what is, what was the payoff here? Um, which is not, that's not r- really a rational way to think, but no, but you need perspective. You need you need space yeah, you need uh, between that to be able to see it and be like, oh, okay, I see where this, yep. I see where this, what space this held in my life, and well, at that point, especially being in your mid to late twenties, like you're just like, <laughs> life has life. You feel like you're old enough to where you're like, no, I've 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 been this, I've I've done this, so I get it. But you, but what you don't understand is that you're still incredibly young. And there's so many seasons that exist in our, in our time and in our lives that like, 
that's just one chapter, that's just one year or one, one handful of years, and, and you're going to go on to do many different things in your life. And, and yes, that will be a part of it. And yes, that was, a, was an amazing experience. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to be who defines you. I think one of the things that stuck out to me, what you said about, you know, kind of trying to figure that whole process out is, I know in that type of situation, it's very easy to kind of like become very internal and be like, you know, it's me against the world. Nobody could understand what I'm going through right now, like this, that, or the other. The fact that you were, you know, willing to and had a good enough relationship to, to reach out to Coach Trestle and, and re-engage in that network, because that is a power that that a lot of us have that sometimes we, we don't usually leverage as much as we can is like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe your experience is a little different, but we do have a powerful network and you do want to lean on these other people to, to kind of help you through these times. And obviously, Coach Trestle is, you know, I, I think he's a, a little bit unique in this fact, but he, he prepared us to be men to be, to be adults, um, and to be people of, of, of society and, and not just be, you know, one, one sided and what our abilities were. And, yeah. uh, as a, as a young guy, it can, you know, you can take it or leave it. I know I was probably, you were probably in, you and I were in different camps. I was definitely like, whatever, dude, I don't want to hear it. Um, whereas other people took it more seriously, but it's funny because now I look at myself and my daily habits and the things that I do on a regular basis. And I'm like, Dude, you're just in morning meetings right now. You're you're, you're talking about your three wise. You're reading a quote, and 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 you know what I mean. I was like, damn it, Trestle, you got me. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny looking back on it now. Really ambitious what they were trying to do with the program. We didn't realize when we were in it, mm. but like, it's not what it is today. No, it, no. That's just college football in general. It's not really mm. about that. So like, I mean, kudos to what they were trying to accomplish of like getting through to us. And I don't, mm. it's just to get through to college kids <laughs> it really I, wasn't, is. I, didn't, I wasn't comfortable enough to reach out to him initially like it mm -hmm. wasn't in because that was a that was a piece of the old the old me too it's like i i don't feel comfortable for whatever reason reaching out here it wasn't until i came down here somebody suggested they're like no i was in columbus they're like you need to reach out to him and mm -hmm. just at least get yourself pointed in the right direction and I took that advice and like, so somebody kind of like nudged me towards like, no, this is what you need. You need to reach out to him. Mm -hmm. And it has been helpful. And I've kept in touch with him here and there, but that's another thing like was not natural. It was not a thing that I was like, here's what I'm, I need to, I, oh, I'm going to reach out to him. I wasn't coming. He felt like from a different world. It's like, yeah, oh, that's right. he doesn't even know me now. He knew an old me. He doesn't know me now. That's a good point, man. And it's, it's, it, I mean, to like emphasize that too. And, I, and what probably fueled that, that, that feeling in your mind was, is like, you know, his, our last year was his last year. We didn't know it at the time. Right. But I mean, flash forward one year, not even. I, I, so we had the, we had the year I, I got injured, whatever. I came back the two years later to do the pro day again with like Devere and, and, and people to, to try to get out in front of some scouts and I walk into the, I walk into the weight room and I'm, I'm hopping on the scale and um, what's the name of the strength coach? Moriarty, Moriarty, either way, he was a strength coach for Urban Meyer. He's still there. Um, super, super uh, renowned guy. Either way, I hop on the scale and this dude comes walking out and who the hell are you? Who the hell are you? I, I, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, like I'm a foreigner in this place that was my home for five years. And I spent almost every waking moment. And it's like, it kind of creates that little, that, 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 I guess, stigma or, or whatever you want to call it in your mind of where you're like, yeah. man, that's like, I'm not even that person anymore. Like that was just a time in my life. And now I'm on the outside and they don't really care. Um, yeah. Cause the whole place and, shifted too. It was like another thing that 
changed. It's like, even this place is different now. These aren't even the same people here. This is, yeah, I had a similar experience, but it, it so it all feels different. Um, yeah. That's my little guy, you hear him? Is he, is he crying? Oh. Happy, yeah. That might be our that might be our cue to wrap this thing up because I know how that goes. But... Quiet, but um... <laughs> oh, they haven't. I'm just muting them. You cried out. <laughs> yeah. My wife. Well, yeah, I mean, it's me. all been. It's you get more perspective as you get older. Um, you, I guess, calm down with your. To me, it's just like it's all of it's humbling. Like every new stage is just like okay, like or it puts things in perspective and they have their place. Right. Like this was a great thing. This was a good career. Um, you know, what well, you weren't as, as big of a deal as you thought you were, <laughs> or it had its place, you know what I mean? And like, you come to terms with it and you realize that you're now in like the same, and I, you also felt like you were above the rest of the world or like at least mm -hmm. society, like, oh my gosh, these people have no idea what I'm doing and going through and what it takes to do. Like you mentioned being isolating. It totally is that it was isolating for my family. You can't understand what I have to do to stay in this league. Mm -hmm. You don't understand how anything I have to go through. Right. And then like you get back into like, oh, okay, now, now I'm fighting most of the same battles that everybody else here is fighting. And now, now I'm not the same job gripes, the same, like, where's my growth? Oh, now work a family into it. Okay. How am I going to support them? How am I going to, now you're, now you're, which is, weirdly also comforting you feel like you don't want to be like everybody else at the time but then like when you fall back into society you're like oh it's kind of nice to share like the same space <laughs> right it's yeah. like it's like bringing it full circle it's like it's still feel fish out of water at times but it is also like you can be more real when you don't mm -hmm. have that barrier of like i'm a superior nfl player right now it takes that barrier to accomplish it but it's probably a better life when it's gone and you can like have real relationships with people and be a normal person. Totally. Um, weird. It's weird though. It's all been a weird experience. It's the best I describe it to people are like, how was it? Do you miss it? Like, no, I don't necessarily miss it. And it was just, it was all, it was pretty weird. Yeah, I think, I think the best way to, to, to look at that from is just to say like, you know what, dude, like, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to feel normal because you are changing. It's like, you know, you're going through a metamorphosis and it's, it's okay for it to be weird. You know what I mean? It's okay because it's new. It's not what you, it's not what you've dealt with. It's not the type of culture you're used to, you know, communicating in. It's all fresh. So, you know, that level of discomfort is not something like you're going down the wrong path. That's just, that's change is just, is, is uncomfortable. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, you know, accept that, bear through it, you know, use the tools that you had as an athlete to, to give you the fortitude to, to make it through to the other side and, and wake up on another day and, and say, I'm going to keep going. Um, but yeah, I mean, you it's just tools to throw away that you learned as an athlete, because not all of them are just like perfect matches to what is actually going to help you be successful in life yeah like you, you got to pay attention there's and i don't know exactly what they are but there's some that like don't work yep. and you got to know when they don't work in the real world <laughs> telling someone they're a piece of shit to their face you mean it's not going to work in the real world <laughs> in the locker room honestly uh, it has yeah, it's useful not yes that's one you should throw away that tool yes. i missed that tool to be honest with you. i wish that tool was around a little bit more it often was, yeah. 
<laughs> Unfortunately not. Uh, man, well, Dan, I, you know, I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time and, and sitting down and speaking, speaking with me today. Um, you know, that's like we never, we never uh, missed a beat. I miss you, brother. Um, I will be in Columbus at, at some point or another. I promise. Um, I'll bring the family and, and we can go grab some, grab some food and, and, yes, and do man. some reminiscing. But uh, me too. Next time you're here, we're happy to host. Are you coming back for the season at all? Probably not this season, but I, I really want to take I really want to take uh, my wife and, and now my kids to a, to a Michigan game because my wife is is an Arizona State uh, Sun Devil and, and she thinks she knows what football and, and and that whole culture is about and I was like you just yeah, she doesn't get she doesn't get it she, she sees me and my dad on Saturdays or when it's an important games freaking out and she's like I just I just can't understand yes. I was like you have to you have to go there on a on a Saturday and it has to be a big all the all the Saturdays in Columbus are great. The big games are, are always great, but that that weekend, that Michigan weekend, I think will really kind of like, oh, okay, yes. I get it now. Please so. let me know when you do it. I've had the pleasure of getting to like open people's eyes to this multiple times since living back here because I have season tickets and taking mm -hmm. people to their first Ohio State game. Like my in-laws and some friends of my wives, it's great. Like they, yeah. they, they, getting to like take people in to the stadium for the first time, especially in a big game like that. And they're like, Okay, this what? is different. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. It was it was different for me because you know I being from being from California, I, I hadn't had many experiences at Ohio Stadium other than other than playing in them, and so I, I I've never really been to a game other than one when I was a freshman in high school, and I remember my first time going back there a few years after we graduated, and it was for a Michigan game, and we were doing the whole tailgating thing, and I I was like I was blown away. I was like, oh my god, like not only is there this many people in the state, but like just to see the mass of humanity and everybody with the same colors on and everybody pulling for the same thing. It's just like, it really is a special experience. So yes, we will yeah, be back there. You guys get back. You'll enjoy it. But yeah. You're definitely. Yeah. This, bro. Always. Hey. Thanks again for sticking around for another episode. If you guys are looking for more information, please visit us at our website at ConsciousAthletics.net and or Instagram at ConsciousAthletics. As always, thanks to our sponsor, Be Cool, Be Smart, Be Alive, teaching our youth their rights and how to de-escalate. For more information, please visit BeCooler.org.